This is Talking Events, a podcast series interviewing leaders in the business-to-business events industry. Event insights, career help, and discussing the changing face of events. Hi, I'm Charlie. I'm from Caston Clark, and I head up the media desk there. Today, we're going to be doing something slightly different in our event talks. I'm going to be catching up with Dan Sheriff, who's the CEO of TXF, Ishka and Proximo. I first met Dan five to six years ago um, when he had first launched TXF. Today, it's still going strong, and he's obviously launched a couple of other businesses. Dan's going to be talking me through his 101 guide on how to move from your day job into launching your own successful events business based on his own experiences. If you could just talk to me a bit more about sort of your background in terms of your career and, you know, obviously started out in production and how you kind of came to launching TXF. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I suppose we, uh, I, I mean, yes, yeah, so my, my my old company sort of gave good and I think sort of conference production is general. Uh, if it's sort of incentivized in, in the right way, it's, it's pretty good for giving you an idea in sort of a very miniature way of how a, how a business should work. A lot of producers are played on on profit share and sort of get an idea of how budgets work. And and, and I think sort of conferences in general um, is, you know, very commercial business in terms of, of how it's put together. And, and you learn to, frankly, you learn to ask for money sort of quite quite early doors which which is a skill that any any kind of entrepreneur needs mm-hmm. um but i think sort of we we found sort of you know um and there's there's a number of us that set up together basically and i think we, we work together sort of at a bigger company uh which was very good and i say you get the the education and and you get the stability certainly um but you know these these some of these big companies it's um you know, they, they manage it like it's a portfolio, effectively, you know, sort of effectively some stuff will grow, some stuff will grow less. But if there's an element of predictability across a far greater portfolio, then that's good for shareholders or, or whoever. Um, and I think when you're working in that environment, well, when you know you're onto something, you sort of want to sort of really run with it. And it's actually, well, no, we don't just need one new person this year. This is a huge opportunity. We need five new people and we're going to do all these different things. And and unfortunately, that's when you kind of begin to sort of, you know, just sort of bash against the glass ceiling a little bit. And so we decided it was better for us to sort of try and sort of set, set up on our own. Um, I think, you know, just aside from sort of the ambitions, as I just told you, I think we, we felt that you know, we've always quite valued the idea of, of having our own company and sort of putting our own foot footprint on it and you have these discussions of you know what would you do you'd make the the food more healthy or you'd have a sort of more more of a sort of ethical sort of conscience to things and 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 you know we'd we'd sort of treat customers in the right way and then you sort of make a list and how would we be different and everything like that and the, the great thing about it is you can kind of talk about it for years in your sort of employed role and then the moment you quit your job um sort of day number one that massive hurdles already done you're sort of you're in it then right so you may as well make it work and everything you've been talking about which has been your biggest obstacle for two three five years is gone overnight and then it's kind of the start of the new challenge yeah absolutely what you said about day one starting your own business is so true when i was in australia and i ran my own recruitment business someone said something to me that really resonated with me which was it's great to run your own business but the day you quit your job and register the company is the day your business starts. Everything after that is a whole different journey. So you mentioned earlier feeling like you'd reached a glass ceiling in your role and that being a motivator for you starting your own business. In my experience, 
it usually is an accumulation of things that cause people to start their own business. From your experience, what other factors or experiences made you realise that you were ready to start your own business? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there, yeah, you're right. There's, there's, there's lots of different things that go into it. I think you get to a point. I think, you know, when you come out of university or even pre-university, you have these sort of ideas of of what you can achieve, and and if you're one of those people that's fortunate enough to know exactly what you want to do, then I think you've got a, a good chance of achieving it, especially if that's around a vocation or or a, a certain role. You know, the person I knew at university who wanted to be a very very successful journalist is now a very very successful journalist for the BBC, mm-hmm. and and that's what he wanted to do. If you're one of those people that answer sure what you want to do and you sort of you go into one of these sort of uh whether it's a grad trainee program or or whatever it is then then i I guess your you know what options you have there on forward are very much colored by what you decide at that point perhaps more Mm -hmm. more than you realize and and i think yeah so for us it's like okay well we want to start a new business uh, our own business we're not going to start it in something we know nothing about Mm -hmm million other people that can do that and it i mean yeah you know there's there's lots of there's lots of examples of businesses being started um, by people that have had a great idea and it's a sort of you know a, a niche market and they've exploited it um i guess our view was well we know that sort of there's people that have track records for paying for these products well if we can just do what other people are doing but better mm. um then actually we've got we've got a fair chance of that and so so for us and and i suppose you figure well i've got 10 years of experience of doing this now uh i know that whoever i'm up against even if it's a big company chances are whoever they're putting against me either as a conference producer or a salesperson hasn't got that experience at that level so whether they are sort of a sort of huge FTSE 100 company or not the fact is the four or five people that we've assembled within this particular area um this market that we cover which in our case was sort of trade export and sort of commodity finance chances are we we know it better and we can do it better and 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 i think sort of just understanding what your actual skills are and what your experiences are and applying that and and you know if you've been doing conferences in a certain field for five years well actually you're quite possibly the leading conference producer in that field globally and Mm. i think it's sort of realizing that and it's not about any sort of brand it's about you uh, and and of course it's not as as simple as that, but but sort of it's a big first step. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's kind of that essential starting point. The number of times I speak to people and they kind of say, oh, you know, it's you know this new sector I want to you know create a product in or start a company in, but it's they've never done it, and it's it's such it's such a leap. I mean, it, from from your experience, so obviously being in a market, knowing that space, understanding what you can bring to the table and what you're able to do to sort of drive the success of that forward. What other crucial things should people be considering before they launch their own events business? What what are the sort of three key things that you would say people need to sort of have in place or start planning? Yeah, well, look, you know, n- number one is 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 sales. You either you or your co-founder mm-hmm. or someone in your team has to be very good at asking for money. 
And if they are not good at asking for money, you will run out of money very quickly. Yeah. And and by the way, asking for money isn't getting a contract for a sale and sticking a logo on a brochure. It's getting paid. It doesn't. So, and and I think you need to be able to sort of to do that whole process from from sort of start to finish of kind of actually right. I've got a contract, but it's a contract with a big company. And, you know, it's going into their procurement department now and we're not signed up on their procurement department. And we've got to do that. And actually, you know, this person who is our client now needs to be our cheerleader internally to make sure we get paid. Mm. That's the sales process. And that has to be done. And we've always been very lucky. Certainly my, my co-founder, sort of um, Dominic, who, who, who is, you know, can, can sell ice to the Eskimos. But just having that kind of really gives you, um, you know, I've seen plenty of good businesses fail and it's because they don't ask for money sort of early enough. Mm. Um, I'd say sort of aside, aside from that, and it's related is, is, is cash flow. Um, you just have to have a really good handle on it. You can do quite a lot with conferences, particularly because quite often you can get paid up front mm. and you can sort of delay sort of paying your bills and manage it in, in the right way and decide who to, to pay at what point And, you know, um, it can be done in the right way um, that sort of gives you a bit of a, a leap that otherwise you wouldn't necessarily get, mm -hmm. but you have to know exactly what you're talking about. And even if you are in a bit of trouble sort of financially with paying certain suppliers, if it's kind of educating them as to the situation, you know, they, they want to support you. And, and so that's kind of a, a big part of it. And then the, the other bit is, is, you know, just don't underestimate how big your network is and, you know, anyone that you've spoken to or got on with or could either sort of maybe, maybe they can give a recommendation for an accountant. Maybe they sort of know someone that could be a potential client or, or maybe they could, could be a potential employee at some point but you just want to stretch that sort of contact book as, as much as you possibly can and get in touch with people that you hadn't been in touch with for a while and it's just having as many conversations as possible from your perspective if you were speaking to someone now who is thinking about taking that leap and launching their own events business what would you say are the key indicators that someone's ready to take that step based on your own journey uh okay well i mean we we I say we we thought about it and, and messed around and and chickened out basically. Sort of yeah. we we were probably going to do it um, sort of three three or four years before we did. Mm -hmm. um, timing wasn't right. We weren't ready. We weren't quite kind of ready as 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 people. I don't know. And, and maybe we just had a too good a deal where we were or, or whatever it was. But we didn't do it. Um, and then probably yeah, around sort of thirty years old. I think that's when you're kind of. Um, maturing a little bit as a person I, I know people have done it earlier as well but but I sort of think that's that's quite a good level also sort of 30 I, I don't know what it's like in, in other markets but in our our markets I suppose you're beginning to get to the age when you're sort of the same age or, or around that mark as your clients mm. and you know one thing about sort of owning your own business you do find the relationship with your clients does change it's no so not so longer a kind of a supplier relationship but actually sort of it sounds cringy but much more of a friendship and i think part of that is because they respect what you're doing and you've sort of sort of laid it on the line to do it and i think they want to support you because of that mm -hmm. but 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 secondly actually it's just because you've you're kind of at a similar age and it's not sort of the young upstart sort of earlier in their career, but it's actually, well, I have a few years behind me. I do know what I'm doing. And, you know, ultimately no one ever got fired for sponsoring 
a bad conference with a big incumbent supplier, but they might get fired if they sponsored a bad conference with a completely new supplier where the guys completely dropped the ball. So just, yeah, I guess you do have to be a certain in terms of, of sort of risk mitigation. And I guess that's the other area where we were quite lucky is one of our co-founders as well was a, an editor with sort of 30 years experience in the market. And that sort of brought that sort of senior factor. So having a team that kind of can cut across sort of has a bit of diversity is is, is quite good uh, in, in that. So so I guess that's that's probably, so we, we probably did it a bit later than we wanted to do it, but but I can kind of think maybe that was that was inevitable really. And were there any sort of crucial points sort of as your career developed that you think really prepared you for this? Obviously, you talked previously about, you know, being able to ask money and getting really good at that. Were, are there any other things, you know, if someone's in a production role at the moment and they're thinking about doing this, what, what would you say is sort of the crucial landmarks where you are maybe more prepared to go into something like this? Uh, I think having a track record of launching events and particularly sort of launching events into new markets is is quite good. Um, I've I've kind of, you know, I remember in my old role, I definitely grew a few events and sometimes I grew a few events because I did them well. And sometimes it was because it was the right time, right place. But I think if you've worked on a kind of difficult new launch and you've made it work off your own back and you've kind of put in the, the hours and sort of, you know, maybe where and you know, where you're not sort of leveraging off a big brand, but you've had to build the data yourself and everything like that. If you kind of, even if like as a as a producer, that's going to be, you know, slightly less lucrative uh, in your in your role, you might not get the bonuses for putting on a new event. I think cutting your teeth by by doing a few new events and even better if they were your idea, I just think it's a good experience to go through. Perfect. And obviously when you start a new business, it's never as smooth and idealistic as you might have wanted it to be when you first got it out. What unexpected challenges did you experience when you first started TXF and even any of your other businesses? Uh, well, I think, uh, I mean, the, cha the challenges always, always continue. As I say, you know, ca cash is a big one. And I think also you don't, like you don't, even if you're promising something that you know in your head is, is going to be amazing and it's going to be different and it's going to, fact is you you kind of need the client to sort of imagine it in the same way and chances are they're not so sort of i guess in in retrospect when we went out we tried to sort of go out with this whole new approach some people bought into it some people that we needed to buy in probably didn't quite see it and actually the answer with them is like well just take it back to what they know it's like yeah it's, it's a conference it's in a european city uh you're going to really enjoy it and these are the people that are going and actually that over the is believing you know it, it becomes there's there's sort of there's some people in that first wave of supporters that you you probably hardly ever got business from and all of a sudden they're one of your biggest customers and there were other people that that you know we, we probably expected to really support us straight away and and probably didn't touch us for a year and a half just because of you know that, that they don't have the buying power in their their organization and it just just didn't work like that um and so i just think it's sort of having a sort of individual plan for for each group of people listening to kind of what their concern is trying to understand and actually sort of the best thing you can do is is proving it and just making sure everyone's in the room to see that you have got the best product and then whether it's two years down the line three years down the line that's that's when they join you but but it may be later than you expect for for a lot of them so you've got to um you've got to kiss a lot of frogs yeah. i would say yeah, and I think it's that, yeah, 
keeping that consistency and obviously keeping the consumer in mind all the time. So even if you're doing something really exciting and you, you know, they might just like to be sold to in the same way. Um, yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, and that's um, it. Like obviously you sort of mentioned about you had that fusion of clients, some of whom, you know, were really supportive of that, some that, you know, maybe surprisingly weren't. Um, what what other challenges did you experience sort of growing a startup? So it's one thing sort of having your core team of people that you trust and you know their skill set. I, I imagine it's a, it's another thing when you're sort of scaling and trying to acquire staff and trying to get things sort of going on a larger scale. What what challenges did you experience and how did you overcome those? Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of them probably, you know, they continue to come up as, as a business grows, any business. I think, you know, the challenges you face um, can be different ones. And, you know, we're, we're in a stronger financial position than we were. But then you sort of find the bigger you get your sort of relationship with with sort of clients and your relationship with sort of colleagues and the team will will in, in inevitably change. And, you know, if you become bigger, all of a sudden you have some of these issues in terms of, you know, kind of a, a larger admin function. And maybe you have sort of certain, if not cliques, then sort of different interests within within the company. And just I guess it's, it's sort of um, making sure you'll continue to sort of move within the same direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, is 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 kind of a real challenge, and making sure that the the message that your employees buy into, even if that message will change over the years, that that message kind of stays relatively, uh, you know, that they they continue to buy into it. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine it's as you get bigger. So again, you probably start off with an idea of how you want your company to be, and obviously that naturally changes over time. Like how how do you keep your business authentic? what you started out to be I can imagine that's quite challenging you 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 always worry and I like the biggest thing sort of you you remember you just can't you can't scale yourself you you need you need a team to support you and to you know to sort of help sort of push that sort of message to more and more people and and also then to to bring new things to the party you know if you sort of start with the track if you start with innovation I think clients always expect that level of innovation to continue mm. and you just need to bring more people in um, and, and, you know, be constantly hiring and you think, well, okay, what someone that may have been perfect for a role sort of five years ago, actually you may, maybe need something different. You need some sort of slightly different experience. It's kind of constantly reevaluating. We, we spend a lot of time looking at, you know, is, is the team happy? Are customers happy? Sort of pouring over evaluation forms, both, you know, pouring over appraisal forms as well. And just, I think the important thing is, is, you know, that you, you really do care and you kind of stick your hands up when things are going wrong and you try to, to change it. And if, if, if sort of, you know, you know, if it needs something drastic, you've got to be prepared to do that, but it's not going to be the same thing and it's not always going to be the same company. And, you know, people have just got to be comfortable with that and you've got to be comfortable with that too. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. And so if you had someone sitting in front of you now who was thinking about taking the plunge, starting their own events business, what would you say would be your top five survival tips in terms of, getting getting off the ground and yeah. <laughs> not falling into a bit of despair yeah well well let's say five, five is a lot um i'd uh, <laughs> i'd 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 say you know do do it as a team 
you know i think even if one person is is leading the charge i i do think you need a, a few good sort of lieutenants in there with you to the, sort of that 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 are a team because otherwise i think you could just drive yourself mad and and everyone everyone needs good people um as mm. i said i think it's a focus on cash and and asking for money and, and being commercial um you know even if you do have a good idea you've just got to be sort of re realistic about that i think you've got to be prepared to work harder than you've ever worked in your life it's like well you know when you become a worse like when you when you when i became a parent first time you think that you you, you thought sort of that whatever, however much sleep you got was actually, oh, that's not so much. It's like you can sort of operate on far less sleep than you were getting. And I think it's the same with the conference. You know, certainly when you've sort of, you, you're sort of launching your own company, you thought you were working hard before. It's like you have no idea how hard you can push yourself and you can't do it forever. Definitely not because you will burn out, but you need to be prepared to work harder. And I think the company needs to have an ethos that they will work harder than anyone else. Because if you haven't got the big brands, then, you know, the, that's the way you can back it up is, is by, by proving it. I think the fourth thing is, is be creative. You know, just look at if there are competitors in your market, look at what they're offering and just think, how can we be different? How can we zig when they zag? It doesn't have to be big things, but it's just these small things that show you care and show you've thought about it and, and just try and excite people a little bit. Um, and, and I, I say that the fifth, the fifth part is, is just kind of trying to, to maintain a, a culture, which I, I think is kind of an overused phrase probably. And I think ultimately, cultures tend to be good when you're successful and tend to be bad when you're not successful yeah. so just you know the most important thing is to make sure you continue being successful and that's just uh i think it just comes down to that hard work really awesome thank you so much dan all right thanks very much charlie talking events is brought to you by castleton clark a business-to-business -business events recruitment agency agree disagree or have something to add, we would love to hear from you. Please email any comments to charlie at castletonclark.co.uk. Subscribe to Talking Events now and never miss an episode.